I'm Lynn Woods, and you're listening to Birchwood Podcasts. It kind of feels like I'm dying on the inside. It kind of feels like I've been trying to get by And I've been this way since day one I don't need no medication No, I don't need no drug Or maybe I'm different And maybe my ADHD got me tripping And maybe I'm just everything that you're missing and yeah. I feel like I'm Episode 44. It is Friday, January 10th. I am currently driving in a van, uh, work van, going home after a long day's work. How are you? I hope you're doing all right. I hope everything is fine. How was your holidays? Was your 
Were your holidays everything you wanted and more? I hope so. I hope you're okay. I hope uh, everything's going good. I'm, I'm doing good, uh, other than I, I have this cold that's hanging on. I don't know if you can tell by my voice, but uh, currently feel like I'm swallowing la lasers? No, razor blades. I guess both analogies work. <coughs> yeah, I got that cough. I got that congestion. And every swallow uh, feels like a razor. So it's nice. It's nice. How are you? I was out working in the blistering cold today because I don't have the sense that God gave me to stay home in bed. And I really thought about it this morning, man. Oh, that bed felt nice. Ah, oh, man. How did your bed feel this morning? That's a weird thing to ask, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, so that's the thing. I never want to get out of bed. I just want to stay there. And that, you know, that, that you could say that I'm depressed. You could say that, but I don't think I am. Because I forced myself to get out of bed. And once I got moving around, I, I felt pretty good. Uh, and then sometime around lunchtime, I felt shitty. And then I ate and I felt okay. And then I felt crappy after my fast food hangover. And then I felt uh, okay for a little while. And now going home, I just want to go to bed. But um, yeah, so that's, that's how I feel right now. But... I, I, uh, I mentally, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good right now because I have been booked to do comedy once again. Going to be um, hosting the, the Halifax Yuck Yucks in January and middling the Halifax Yuck Yucks in February. So, very cool. Oh, I'm getting a phone call. Hold on. Oh, okay, sorry about that interruption. Well, not that you even know because... It's almost seamless. I, I hate when people call me when I'm recording my intro. I should really put it on airplane mode or do something, but I never do. And um, I'm often interrupted, so I, I apologize. But I'm back. I'm back. It's January 10th. It's Friday. This is episode 44. My guest today, I'm going to tell you about later. But for now, I'm going to tell you how I'm doing. So as I said, I'm going down to Halifax um, for a couple of weekends coming up. I'm very excited about it. I haven't been there since April. Um, so yeah, I guess it's been still less than a year since I've been there, but you know, a good six, eight months since I've been there and, um, I'm happy to go back. I'm happy to go to, um, perform, especially before my big show, uh, my big theater show, March 14th in St. John opening for uh, Mullinger so I'm um, excited and you can catch all that stuff on um, comedian uh, Shane Ogden comedian on Facebook and uh, yeah so you know send me a, a like on that page that's not how you do it is it? you just like please like my page Shane Ogden comedian and if you haven't yet uh, like the page Birchwood Podcast. I am going to um, be reformatting this show. And I'm not going to give the details yet because I, I need to make sure that I can secure the name and uh, a couple of other details need to line up. I'm hoping next week, perhaps uh, within the next couple of episodes, 
you'll notice a change. I'm hoping I can keep the same channel and just change the name of the podcast. I'm going to add more phone calls to more friends. And uh, we're going to be doing it a little differently here at Birchwood Podcast. Um, I love the name Birchwood, but it's kind of uh, run its course, you know. Um, I feel that I'm getting back to my, you know, myself, feeling better, and um, this plight of the underdog tone that I'm taking, um, having humble beginnings at a trailer park called Birchwood, is, uh, it's not the grind that I want to stay in, uh, if that makes any sense. I just feel like uh, I interview comedians for the most part. So it's going to be related to that theme. And also, um, you know, I'm the host. I'm Shane. You know who I am. And I'll I'll be still doing my little monologues here, filling you in on my thoughts and my feelings. And and then uh, we'll be going to be phoning some friends, having some conversation with them, and still having some great guests, mostly comedians and, and anyone else that I find interesting. And so there's going to be a name change and it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be just a little more entertaining. And, you know, I, I think I've grown as an interviewer over the last 43 episodes. And I, and I think that I'm evolving. So there's going to be a few changes coming up. No big deal. Uh, there's still going to be everything you love about this show and more. So stay tuned for that. Okay, so what else is on the go? Well... I had an interesting day today. I was on the roof of a hotel installing heat pumps, and it's a uh, three-phase panel, so a little different than uh, the household panels that I'm used to, and uh, yeah, so uh, playing with electricity, playing with my wire again, as the old joke goes. I'm an electrician. If this is your first time listening, thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share with a friend. It's Birchwood Podcast. And shoot me a message, too. I'd love to know where you're listening from and a little bit about you. Uh, Birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. Man, the, uh, this Australia thing is bumming me the fuck out. I got I to be honest. You know, it's... Uh, wow. If you're a human being who has access to the news, you might not want to watch it. You know, I, I've said before, I think we got about 50 years left. And that's not me guessing. Scientists have said that. You know, we've got about 50 years before, you know, it's catastrophic and the world becomes unlivable for humans. That's the darkest view. Um, if you pay attention to what scientists are saying, we don't have a lot of time left on this earth. And if you look at Australia right now, there are two major fires that, if combined, would create, and I quote, the worst case scenario. Holy fuck. Uh, I don't know. Google NASA images of Australia. It looks as if 
along the coast at least, most of the continent is on fire. Now I have heard different stories about how some of these fires are contained. They had a little rain which helped, but half a million animals, um, most of their forests along the coast, uh, gone. I don't know how they're going to recover. And if this keeps happening every few years, I'm not sure how Australia is, is going to survive. So think about that. I mean, how many canaries in the coal mine do we need before we admit that uh, human beings are in a lot of fucking trouble right now? I feel lucky to be on the east coast of Canada, I gotta be honest. There has been a lot of flooding in the past few years. Uh, people have gone to higher ground, they've raised their houses, insurance money has come through in most cases. Certainly people have lost, some have lost their entire homes. It's, it's not good. The state of the world is unstable. Uh, of course, Trump keeps fucking around, right? God damn it. You know, he bombed a country's, uh, one of the country's top politicians, right? I mean, yes, he, the guy was a dictator, he's bad. You know, but you gotta understand, to the average Iranian, that, that's how they view Trump. So it's, it's a no-win situation. You got someone as psychotic as as any other global dictator in the White House and they're landlocked with us in Canada so it's it's of major concern to us and this guy keeps fucking around and threatening and and, and I know I at first I thought my thought was where are all the snipers and then I heard people say well they're all uh, Republican, uh, right-wing, uh, National Rifle Association members. Uh, when he first took office, there was a weakling Democrat that tried to assassinate him, uh, but he was tackled quickly. <laughs> uh, I was happy that he tried, but there was no chance. He tried to pull a handgun out of a security guard's holster, and he was just pummeled instantly. But that was the only assassination attempt that I know of. And uh, it's amazing there haven't been more. Uh, George Lopez, in a lot of trouble. Comedian George Lopez. Kind uh, of made, made a tweet that got everybody angry. Not everybody, but Trump supporters anyway. Uh, basically what was said... Um, there are people in Iran that, you know, put a bounty on Trump's head for $80 million. And George Lopez tweeted uh, that he would do it for half. So, you know, I mean, George Lopez is a comedian, right? And the, the Republican uh, right-wing crazy uh, extremist guys, they're like, oh, it's a threat against the president. It's, you know... 
But it's not credible, man. A comedian is not a credible threat to a president. Anyway, the, there was a headline in the New York Times that said that the CIA and the Secret Service are aware of Mr. Lopez's comments. I don't know if they've spoken to him or not, but uh, anyway, I don't know how much trouble he's in. Certainly not as much trouble as the average Australian. Wow, I just, uh, you know, I'm really praying that Elon Musk and uh, all the real-life Iron Men and uh, superheroes um, can save us. I hope they come up with something. The world's brightest minds, you know. I think we gotta we gotta have a think tank, you know. Get Bill and Melinda Gates and Elon Musk and Russell Brand and uh, who else? Who else could we put in the think tank? Just notable and uh, and and leading scientists. Say okay, come up with a plan, and then every human would just be obligated to to follow this plan. I'll go back to horses. Fuck it, I don't care. I don't need to go anywhere. I could do comedy from town to town on my horse. <laughs> you know, pull into town, tie it up, go in town for a sarsaparilla, make some people laugh, and then. Mosey on out of town as the sun goes down. I could do that. Why not? That'd be so much fun. Um, yeah, so I'll go back to the old way. I'll go back to churning butter. I'll work hard. I'll, I'll split firewood with an axe. I'll do all that. That'd be fun for the first 10 minutes, and then I think you would miss your iPhone. But we got to do something. I don't know what that something is, but something must be done. Because you know what? I love planet Earth. And I want to see it uh, go on for forever. I don't know if that's realistic. I mean... But I think that we... There are good things happening. And I think that the media doesn't focus on the good things. And there's a kid right now that's cleaning up the... Uh, I say kid, I think he's like 25 now, but he was like an 18-year-old Norwegian kid or a kid from Iceland. I don't know. I, I should really look up details. <laughs> but anyway, this, this guy... He came up with a way to um, clean up the plastic out of the ocean, and he's, he's working hard at it. And he's going to have a website, and he's going to buy some shit. You know, he's going he's gonna to sell some shit from the recycled plastic um, that, that is being poured into the ocean. I guess a, a lot of rivers uh, in third world countries overseas uh, are, are letting the plastics out. People are polluting the rivers. It's not so much North America, but it is happening in North America as well. So we're going to have to be more diligent about our uh, what we do with our garbage. And uh, yeah, there's right now in the ocean, uh, 
they call it Plastic Island. Just floating plastic, and it's twice as big as the state of Texas. So we got a, we got a guy working on that. It's a very solvable problem. We, you know, we, we, we've solved global warming. Or, sorry, no, we didn't. We solved the ozone layer. When the ozone layer was peeling back, we, we found a way to have less ozone. So, or have, have more ozone by releasing less uh, chemicals that hurt the ozone. So, there are things that have, we have done in the past to make things better. We just really need to do everything we can right now. I don't know who's going to lead the charge. I can't even get along with the people around me half the time. Oh, I hope somebody saves us, you know? And I know, yeah, it's, it starts with me, right? Okay. All right. I take my bottles to the recycling and I, I, I don't use plastic straws anymore. But what can I really do? drive less, turn the lights off. But I think it's it's more than that, right? It's like a, a government policy level. You know, the, the companies need to stop burning coal. And, and everybody needs to play a part. Oh, man. Another phone call. I'll be back. Anyway, enjoy this podcast. Uh, yeah, that was another phone call. I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, uh, this is episode 44, Friday, January 10th. This is my interview with comedian Lynn Woods. Enjoy. Um, it's it's weird. I only like only now am I allowing myself to actually think more about it. Um, it for the first year, and again, this was not necessarily the smartest thing. But the first year was like, you know, I'm not a performer first. I think some people are a performer first and a writer second, and I think some people are writers first and performer second, and I'm a writer first. Being on stage was not something that I was like, I'm gonna love the attention. But I knew that if I ever went on stage, I needed to look and feel like I wanted to be on stage. If you're mortified and anxious, then you're just you're just sharing that with everybody. No, Nobody enjoys that. So I gave myself a year to just get used to just going up there. The mic moving, just being on stage, the lights in your face. And you have to like your voice with the microphone because we fucking don't. So I was like, just do a year of that. And then once I did a year of that, I was like, okay, now it's, now it's stage presence time. And again, I think I'm just very patient with working and trying to figure out what my voice is, what my presence is, what my point of view is. I don't want to be categorized as this type of comic. Yeah. Um, maybe someday it'll be a lot more defined for me, but I'm like, no limits. Like right now there's just no limits. It's just, I need to try different things, different vibes, different tones, different emotions, different attitudes. I don't want to always be bitter and I don't always want to be bad. I don't always, you know? So since I started what I call phase two, the second year and the stage presence thing, I'm obviously getting a lot more people, like, I <laughs> immediately noticed the difference with how many people wouldn't leave the bar without talking to me. Like, they needed to talk to me before they left because they related to a certain piece mm-hmm. or they wanted to know when I was performing next. Yeah. And that's when I started 
realizing that there was a click that had happened. So one of my friends called it breaking, you think you broke, I think you broke the glass ceiling for yourself all of a sudden, where you're feeling a lot more ballsy up there and taking a lot more control. And then I started, I don't like videos. I think they can, they can easily make me decide like, I don't know. You don't like videos or you don't like videos of yourself? Of myself. Right. And then I started like watching a few more and then I was like, I think I, I think I, I think I, I think I have a lot, uh, I think my stage presence reads a lot more comfortable and all that than I ever assumed that it, that, it, that it did because of how it feels for me versus how it reads. And I was like, I'm doing a good job at selling that fucking car. Like, and then, you know, I, I'm starting to get a little bit more proud of myself. And again, I'm very patient and I think it does take work. Yes. I don't ever think that what I'm doing is perfect. I don't not want feedback, period. I do want feedback. I just want it in a controlled, safe space where I can actually absorb it better. Yeah. Because um, I don't like associating stage time with a neg like in immediate neg negativity. That's what I want our club to be. I want our club to be a place where, you know, boys or girls can come and feel like, okay, Shane and Julie are cool. Everything's cool. I can just do my thing that I want to do. Yeah, because yeah. I've shown up and people have seen me. I look younger than I am to some people. <laughs> and being told like, oh, okay, kiddo, if you can do five. I can't believe five. you're 63. Like, that is crazy. I know. Crazy. It's amazing. I started both since I was 12. <laughs> uh, against my will. <laughs> against my will. It's, it's a French, French family it's abuse. Yeah. Botox and homemade 12. Botox. <laughs> yeah, straight from the can. Straight from that caddy. <laughs> from the can, yeah. Um, so, um, I'm almost divorced. And anybody see the new Star Wars film? Oh my god. Okay, look at me. I have a Star Wars wedding. Can you believe that shit? That's amazing. It's amazing. Too bad it didn't work out. My friend told me, may divorce be with you. And I was like, how did So yeah, I think it's just, it's not, I don't think it's going to be given to me, and I just think it takes work, and I'm really liking where I'm going, but yes. I also don't think that I've got it either, Like, and I think that's the. I think that's actually the key. That's why I temper my compliments with, I know that you're two years in, right? Because you, I've seen so many people catch on fire when they come out of the gate, just like, whoa. Like, you can tell there's a different level there. Mm -hmm. But then I've seen them rest on their laurels, and um, you're talking to them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have headline shows. It doesn't mean I'm a headliner. Do you know what I mean? It means that the headliner missed his plane, and I was pressed into service. Um, so, to me, it's what I've done on stage comedically is just not good enough, you know? And so... Now I'm, I'm faced I'm a at a different crossroads where I'm 42. Um, no, I'm 43. I'm so old, I don't remember exactly how old I am. <laughs> You're I'm rejecting 40, it. I'm, You're yeah, shutting I'm like, it no, down. it is 43. Because whenever I, I'm so comfortable with 42, I would think I was comfortable at that age. And my daughter uh, reminds me, Dad, you're 43. I'm like, thanks, kiddo. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so and I remember, I remember Breslin telling me, Mark Breslin telling me, it's a young man's game. And I know I, I'm not really, you know, the type to listen to Breslin, but I go, wow. You know, it kind of was at one point, I think, like a young person's game. But, you know, when I think about, like, um, Carlin in the later years, or I think about, 
um, Leslie Nielsen and some other examples that I, you know, um, uh, who was the uh, who was the lady comic that was ferocious? That Joan was like, Rivers. Joan Rivers. Yeah. So like, there really isn't an age limit. It really is all perceived. You know, it really is. Um, it's a headspace thing. Like yeah. I think, like I have a lot of the the my friends that are comics obviously way younger, like like a good ten years younger. And I sometimes tell them, like, I can organize shows, but as a mom, and I'm, I don't want to say I'm lucky to have shared custody, yet I am, um, I don't, the limited time that I have to write and to focus on my jokes, if I'm booking lineups and people are canceling and I'm having to replace them all the time, and I, I, can you guys do that? You yeah. guys have so much time. Yeah, like you don't have do you know to pack I mean? lunches and yeah. change and, diapers and, and, or whatever and I it is. Think, I think it's something to do with that. I think we reach certain phases where we just don't have access to our creative brains. We just we don't. There's too much to do. And then we're like, well, this is my life now. And I don't have access to my creative brain. But situation, like it changes. Like my kids now are seven and nine. Yep. And like My I'm, daughter's ten. My son is 17. All of a sudden, there's a little bit more headspace again. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Yeah, they can wipe um, their own ass. They can wipe their own ass. <laughs> every once in a while, like, you know, they can go shower by themselves. Do you have and this thought ever? I'm never fucking doing that again. Do you ever have that thought? As much as I love kids? my kids, yeah. Holy shit. My sister went for a third, and I was just, I was like, she was committing a crime. Like, I was just like, what, why? Like, you're, you're almost You're afraid. locked in for 18 years. Like, why years. would you do that? That's another, <laughs> holy shit. And then I, I think they had this feeling where I was like, well, what about us? Like, my kids are going to listen to this someday. I love you guys. <laughs> Don't listen to daddy. He was out of his mind when he, with frustration when he said those things. We but it's true. We just we couldn't do better so, our kids are so yeah. great. We know that the next ones will That's probably, right. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why fuck it up? You have a yeah. great record. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like, what about, you know, when you go to the park and they can just go up by themselves, you don't have to push them on the swing. Like, you don't have to. Just those little things. You could just relax. Like, I go to hop, skip, jump to right. If I have a gig, yeah. I can go to hop, skip, jump on they the play Tuesday because it's yeah. half price in the afternoon on the Tuesday. Yeah. And I bring my books on my laptop and they go play and I put on my music and I write. That's awesome. I wouldn't be able to do that with a one year You have a career. In comedy in French also, right? Yeah, I, I, I feel like at the beginning there was a lot more French comedy happening around. So at the beginning, it was it was the only place I had like a guaranteed spot every month was in French. And then that kind of dwindled for some reason. Yeah. Um, so then this year, because I wanted to test myself and push myself and make sure I was doing one show a week, yesterday was 57 this year. That's really great for New Brunswick. I worked my butt off. So I went to Fredericton. I went to Bathurst. I even did one show in Amherst. I did St. John. And I, just... I had seen your name all over social media, and everyone said the same thing. She's really good. And I was like, wow, I can't wait to see this person. And then um, it was actually Julie that said, can, can we book Lynn Woods? I said, yeah, actually, because I had heard good things about you, right? And she, she always checks with me. Yeah. You know, she is the booking agent, and sometimes she'll make a decision without me, but very rare. Like, we always used to, you know, we usually powwow about, okay, who can we have? I think they would go well together, and, you know. So um, I was really excited uh, to, quote-unquote, get you to do a show in St. John. And, um, yeah, like, our side is English, but we had, uh, when we were Chuckles, we had Marty D. And I don't know if you met Marty D., but he did a lot of stuff in French and English. So. Marty D as in Montessonier. Yeah. 
because I know I heard that that's what he was going by in the English on the English side, but I didn't I didn't know that until yeah. recently. Well, Marty was um, Nikki was my comedy mama and Marty was my comedy papa because oh, yeah. uh, it was Marty's open mics was where I would go in French all the time. Yeah, and Marty was very harsh with me, but very much believed in me. Um, so. I had asked he was also him, he was also wrong sometimes. He was also wrong sometimes. <laughs> but Marty was convinced and sometimes very convincing. So yeah. uh, because of his open mics and I asked him at one point if I could just be like always have a spot because there was such a lack of females. Yep. Uh, Francophone scene is worse than the Anglophone scene when it comes to just all to dudes. Women. Yeah. I was completely alone for quite a while. It was like it would be like lineups of like de garçon. <laughs> so I had gone to see a couple, one or two, and then I was like, well, like I can at least bomb that hard. Like it was, it, yeah. you know, like I was like, these are open minds, people are testing jokes. Yeah. I can do that like they can. You, you know? can, I can test. Yeah. I can test a joke and bomb. I can do it. So it gave me like this level of comfort because the room was very warm and receptive and encouraging. And Marty did an amazing job because obviously he, that's what he did um, at explaining what an open mic was. I think we're losing some of that. I think some people are showing up with their polished all the time and they're making the people that are actually putting in the work and writing new sh- look not so great. But really, that's the point of an open mic. Yeah. And, I, and you know, there's a difference if you're trying a different tone, you have a new tag or whatever. But I think that there's. There was a, a very much a level of respect for Marty saying new material, like he he made it. He, he wanted made that. It that. Yeah. He wanted that. He encouraged that. He explained it to the audience. He put it on the event page. He made it very clear. This is this is what this is, and this is what our job is tonight. Like as a rule, like this yeah. is what our job is. So Marty I, Marty was a very good friend of mine. Like there's a lot of first dates. They're really only first dates <laughs> in my world. I keep telling you guys, I don't need the material, but why do you keep giving me material? The last guy came on the back of my knee before contact and just bolted. I was like, I didn't need that. Please! But I didn't need it. I had a fantasy where I'm going to take like, one of those little mini bottles of spumante, room temperature, and shake it, and slow-mo the video shooting it behind my knee, and sending it to him and be like, it's a thing now, I'm into it. It's my thing. <laughs> I miss him deeply. Yeah. Yeah. It, I had such a, like a love hate uh, brother sister type relationship with Marty. Um, he had bad. Bre- he had bad breath. Not to cheapen. Not 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 to say anything ill of the dead, but Marty needed to brush his teeth before he died. <laughs> yeah, that's why they cremated him. <laughs> it's like oh, the breath. So so. I love you, Marty. <laughs> We do. We really do. But this, this, is the, this is the interesting thing is when I asked him to put me on as like a, a fixture, he had no problem doing that. Yeah. And then what ended up happening is a lot more women started showing up. I remember we, I was one, we were two, and then we were six. So what was happening is there were some women that would check in with me after shows and say, if you're going to be on the next one, can you let me know because I'll sign up. And then I realized that there were some women that didn't want to be the only female comic on the bill. And I was like, this is actually important. I can name quite a few names, quite a few French female comics that would not have given a single shit. And they would have been like me, and you know, that was a voice that was not being represented. And there just needed to be more women going up on stage and talking about whatever the hell is affecting us, and what's on our minds. But there were some, 
that kind of needed that, that encouragement. That encouragement. So that was great. And then I kept joking with Marty that it's either that I'm actually inspiring them or I'm so bad that they know that they have to be better. And I was like, either way, I'm helping. So, yeah. yay. <laughs> like, yeah. Keep me keep me on. You were kind of in the spirit of Marty keep helping the, the lady side in the French world. Yeah. Yeah. So then when when he, unfortunately... I may have seen you at the at the uh, wake. I was at the mm-hmm. wake. Did mm-hmm. you? Were you at the wake? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's possible I may have thought you were a family member. And, and I guess in a way you were, but... You know, not by blood, no, but again, like you I, know, like I, I when I, one. I had gotten to a point where, and this is me being just very honest, Marty was the one sending me notes and kind of, because uh, that's what Marty loved to do. He loved comedy so much, and it was such a passion he couldn't shut it off. Yeah. And he he needed to tell you before he forgot. Oh yeah. Because yeah. he cared so much, but for me, it was it was killing even me on stage because I I felt. I felt so judged already because I knew Marty was judging me, and since since he passed, people had been saying like, "You're doing a lot better at conference," and I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> because I honestly feel like that was a crutch for me for a minute, because my spirit, like I I I was doing it for my own self worth, like with the divorce and my because it was an abusive marriage. And my ex used to tell me when I would do sketch comedy and get off stage, nobody wants to see and hear you. You're not funny. So, Good God. Yeah, so there was That's this... way worse. And you, I bet you would have rather had a punch in the eye because you didn't make meatloaf. That would have been way better than... That's attacking your spirit. That's yeah, not... Yeah, so know. I think, I, think I, 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 could, I could differentiate that what Marty was doing was not the same. Hmm. But it was, it, was, it was creating a similar kind of hostile... Uh, Feeling? performance vibe for me that I, mm. I didn't want to go in that in that space anymore so um, so yeah so I uh, uh, passed away pretty much on my birthday it was nice <laughs> so, so I've thanks Marty I've changed I was like of course you need to fuck that up um, but now I've changed my birthday I'm celebrating it on 4th of July it's are Lin- you serious it's Independence Day now I'm cha- I've changed my birthday <laughs> Changed my birthday. Thanks, you love You do it's love the occasional pun, don't you? Um, yeah. I mean, I had... That's the day I moved out. Your divorce had a pun. Yeah. There was something about Star Wars. May divorce be with you. May divorce be with you. Star Wars way. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, that it's gets a good true. chuckle. Yeah. It's a, it's it's new. I, it's somebody put it on my Facebook, and I don't want to say his name when I go on stage, but I do say a friend. Like I'm it was to Marty Lee, back from the dead, typing beyond the grave. Probably. Like, <laughs> possessing people but uh it was one of those it's when i left my husband and i moved out it was independence day so i called it independence day and i just said this is making it my birthday my sister can still take nobody day cares i have guess my own day yeah you changed your birthday you're the first I person i've ever did. met that changed their birthday well i think now it's always going to be that i think it's going to be an annual outpouring of love for this person who was much more than a comic like i've seen marty do poetry slam like I've seen Marty very, very vulnerable and saying some really incredible things in very, in a very intimate, you know. Like I think yeah. he was a lot more than just a comic. He'd been a musician. Like he was a total artist. And I think Mar- Marty had this surgence where he was just cooking. He was killing it, and I was just about to headline him, and then he had this plateau where he was writing new stuff, and it wasn't killing it the way that his tried and true stuff was. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna let this breathe. And then when he starts to cook with the new stuff, then I'm going to ask him if he's interested in headlining, then he passed away. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? 
fuck, I should have just headlined them. You know, I felt my heart was broken. Because I have headlined locals before. Um, only once. One guy, it was uh, Mark's Blue, who had recently uh, retired from comedy. Um, there's a guy that's really misunderstood. Um, you know, he's very gruff and he can be ignorant sometimes. Things are black and white, you know. When he says things, he's very, like, cut to the bone. Like, he just says it the way he feels it at the moment. Sometimes doesn't think about how other people might feel. So it's a controversial, um, very controversial guy he was. But uh, anyway, he walked away from comedy. And I, uh, I was like, man, like, why are you doing this? Because he was doing well enough that he could actually... Every time I saw him, he had 20 new minutes and they fucking killed. And I've never seen anybody like that before. Um, I, I would give my one of my hands to, to be able to kill every time like that. With new stuff, like new stuff, that's with, with Marty, like it was taking time. to, And I did see it getting better and better and I was very excited. And then, and then I heard like he was doing things in French, like to, just for laughs in French and stuff like yeah. So it's like, man, like this guy's gonna, you know, and then, uh, yeah, well, you know the rest of the story, and it bums me out, you know. Well, I think that's the thing, and I, I, what's odd is like the bar that he was doing our open mics at closed as well, which in a way I think was better. I don't think I would have ever, I didn't take over what Marty was doing, but then all of a sudden there was no French open mics. So I talked to Shannon about it, and I was like, can we start using do a the French bar to do French? Um, and we're still trying to get some momentum going on that. Um, and again, like it's, I feel like it's, it's the most selfish, selfless thing I've ever done, because I have to host them. Marty was the host, Marty was the MC, and every once in a while he didn't, because he felt it was the toughest gig in the room, was being the MC. He liked challenging himself, so he... Took, took that on quite proudly, but every once in a while, if somebody needed to prepare for a big gig or something, he would he would force them to MC. So like that's that's where you build your that's, skill. That's where you build your skill. So I definitely I kept telling people that I tried it a couple times and I was not an MC. <clears throat> it's something about that that the amount of time they have to sustain that anxiety. That I was like for me, it's it's too much for me right now. I don't have the confidence enough to actually pay attention to what the com comics are doing and what's happening in the room to add to add to my material and maybe see some links and yeah. kind of do that work. I, it's very difficult for me to be able to do that. <clears throat> so I kind of written it off. And then I did it, and I did it two, three times quite successfully, and I was like, I still hate it. I hate it. And now I've been asking people when I ask for sign-ups for the open mic, I kind of ask if somebody wants to see when I organize them. Yeah. Um, Shannon, uh, the Shannon Dumaras, the, the house comedy basement owner, at one point was like, "Well, you know, you you don't have to tell jokes. Like, you just need to keep the room alive and make sure that the energy's up, and you can just focus on that piece." And I was like, "Yeah, I totally agree. That's the host's job. But then, what am I getting out of it? I ha I'm trying to work on new material. Mm -hmm. I had been." asked to work on my French material and make it more pan-Canadian French for certain opportunities and they had said like if if that work's not being done if you still have a lot of English words in your sets and you know it's shuck and you know you're using a lot of English expressions or whatever then that that, that 
even though it's mostly French. It'll be understood in New Brunswick. Yeah, but maybe not elsewhere. in Montreal. So I was trying to create these opportunities to practice and flex, which is why I ended up going to bathrooms a bunch of times. So I was like, it's it's even a better French than than where I was at, and I was like, I, I need to create these these opportunities. So it became this like thing where I was like, it just needs to happen. So yeah. I, w- I would tell Shannon, throw me a date, and you won't have to do anything. How many French comics would you say are on the French scene right now? Like in there's in Moncton area. There's quite a few because they, really, like in Moncton, like we have a little pro pocket. Mm-hmm. I can't really point to any pro pockets in Moncton on the right. anglophone side. I right. think there's a lot of, I, I, okay, I, I won't say hobbyists, but I think it's like a, it's like a middle ground. Yeah. Um, so we have, uh, on the French side, we have a, a we have, I feel like we have pros and we have amateurs. Mm-hmm. But on the English side, I feel we have amateurs and we have new levels. Yep. More. Um, so for when it comes to like that pro pocket, it's very it's very difficult because they have representations and they have agents, and it's a lot more difficult to kind of try to get them out and book them because there needs to be that level of respect where what it is they deserve for their work that's been if it's been polished and tried and true or whatever yet with a new bar and there might only be eight people in the room it's it's very right. difficult to manage that piece so sticking with the open mic format kind of gives them an opportunity to come try new stuff if they feel like coming out and they can go ahead and treat us and we kind of have you know these these um more professional comics on the front side which is nice because i feel like if there can be a little bit more of that investment and I don't want to say it like that, but if we're only ever, ever having very amateur comics trying very new material, it's going to be very difficult to have people come back and come back and come back. Yeah. So I'm really appreciating as time goes on, because Hell's is such a fun room. It's such a warm room to try new material. It's a very safe space to try new material. I feel like if that can gain some momentum on both sides, the audience and, and our comics... I feel like we can really kind of build up the scene again because Marty had built it. He had built it and it worked amazingly well. And it's we can't just decide to recreate that. That was something that... He built it his way. He built yeah. it his way and whatever, how he did it, it worked. Um, and now we're kind of having to kind of... It's not necessarily starting from scratch. It's like at a 20%. Yeah. We have some people that really were into it they know which comics they like they, they check they check the lineups they check the events um but yeah i i do think that we have i'm solidly reaching out to a 2025 i would think that's where we're at in french in french that's amazing and some people will only do it five times a year some people want to get on as much as possible there's a huge range, but I don't think that's unique to the French side. I think it's just life and circumstances and how much time people can actually dedicate to this thing. Yeah. And sometimes it's just the night. Like if if we if we're always doing an open mic on a Thursday night, some people just always work on a Thursday night. Yeah. So, so you're trying to mix it up and. Yeah. I like. I'll tell you what I like about hosting. I like hosting because I'm a very forgetful person, especially when I'm nervous. I don't always remember everything. So I like getting back up because when I sit down, I go, shit, I should have told my flim flam joke. Yeah. And then I go, ah, as soon as I introduce Lynn Woods, I'm going to go tell my, <laughs> uh, before I introduce Lynn, I'm going to tell my flim flam. So I, I like it for that selfish reason. But I, I agree with you. Like it's not, I don't 
feel like it's a real pleasant job if you're a comedian. Like, it's not, like you say, what do you get out of it, you know? Well, I researched it. I actually literally researched it because, like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it well. So I researched it. I was very open with the fact that I did not necessarily want to do it. But, like anything else, if my name's on it, I'm going to give it my 100%. I researched it, then dissected every joke that I had was a short, that was a short joke. And I just wrote myself a little list. I had the lineup on one side of the page and how they wanted to be introduced. And on the other side of the page, I had all of my, my, my very quick in and out jokes. And then, and then, with that little cheat sheet, I was able to pay attention to what was happening and seeing if there were links and then kind of going, I'm going to do this when I go back on. So I, t I tack on to whoever I'd kind of seen before. Right. So it worked well. And what I don't like about the first day is that uh, uh, this has happened to me a few times. This is the, this is the next morning. Because if you, if you do the hookup, if you could do that. And I'm a mom. I'm not looking for stepdad. If I'm sleeping with you on the first day, you both know you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Relax. You think I'm in love with you, and you both just know you're a piece of shit. That's fine. But yeah, because you'd be like, you know, Marty was talking about whatever. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. This is my experience with it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This is my point of view. It yeah. looks very smooth. And some of my favorite jokes came from that, but there's something magical when you have these jokes that only worked in that specific moment. Then yeah. you cap, like you maximize that opportunity. Like, I did it, he said that, and then I said that. That'll never happen again, probably. Mahaha, <laughs> which means success. <laughs> so it was like a different high. Yeah. But, like for me, trying to practice and get ready for these amateur contests, because Hubcap's coming up, I'd like to submit in English, I'd like to submit in French. I need videos to even be able to submit. You know, I, I need, I need, I felt like I was creating these these moments for me to record a set and I was not doing a set. Right. Um, yeah, those contests, man, like, uh, I, I entered that contest one time. It's, uh, it's a lot of pressure. Contests are a lot of pressure, aren't they? Contests are an insanely, it's a lot of insane pressure, I find, because of, like, radio-friendly, nothing vulgar. And then you're just kind of backed into a corner where you're like, what, what is vulgar? It's like, I almost need more information, like, what? Hmm. You know, and then I, and then I instantly feel very protective. Like if I talk about my twin, I'm, I'm, I feel safe saying it in a room where I want that to be played on the radio. And then I just had to be this like, all why, these questions. Why? Why, <laughs> why do I think I'm gonna win? Then I just went into a totally different space. It's like it's not a contest. Your job is just to go make people laugh. Never mind about all of the other things that. There's a lot going on in that head of yours, isn't there? Too much. You're thinking. You're looking at things from all angles, but that's what comedians do. John that Wayne is. said a joke is like putting a, a, a little dot in the middle of a piece of paper, and then our job is to be tethered to that point and, and to go all the it. way yes. around and yes. make a perfect circle before the joke is completed. Yes. So I, I agree with that. I'm not much of a writer. I'm, I'm a milker. So if I get an idea, for me, it's always kind of hand gestures, face gestures. It doesn't translate too well to audio. But I find the older I get, the better I am at writing. Um, you said you're a writer first, and then a, like kind of a milker second. Like, what do you, what do you really think? Do you think that, you know, you write down and you you sit down and you write jokes, or do you just write points, point form, and then go on stage, or do you have notebooks full of jargon that you just skim through? How do you, 
go about actually writing the task? Well, well, th well this is a, this is my, my journey. Like I went to film school, I studied screenwriting. So writing is just something I do. I love words. Um, screenwriting specifically, like when you're talking about dialogue, there's a lot more focus on the, the poetry and the cadence and the rhythm of things, which includes comedy and punchlines and like there needs to be a certain type of rhythm. So it's not something that I had necessarily expertise on, but it was something I had an interest in. So I think that's one thing that already helped me, like kind of going in, how it needed to sound conversational um, and not, not essay. -y. It needed to sound like a human person saying these things. Um, and sometimes you cheat, like this happened today, or, or I just came up with this now. Like you're trying to trying to create this like vibe that this is all very. I uh, hate the word organic. I came up with this saying, comedy is the art of surprise. Yeah, yeah. So whatever you have to do to achieve that surprise. Yeah. Because it, you know, I mean, it's it's anti-comedy to say something someone expects. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So it's, there was a little bit of that. And then at one point, I'm not making this up, was working in a cafe. I was the only employee, and it was in the film school. So I had these rushes, but hours of nothingness. So hours to write. This is in Vancouver? This is in Vancouver. And all of a sudden, there was this gentleman that kept coming in that was saying he was the manager of Yucks. And he wanted me to come do an open mic because I was like, I'll never do stand-up comedy never say never he was like no but it's because you come in in the morning and you have this like little seed and by the end of the day you've perfected your bit that's just what you do you make everybody laugh with the same story but you start at the end of the day and you have all the fat in the story and then by the end of the day you're like no 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 you've gotten this right is, to this, the part that'll this, make yeah. people laugh so consciously from that point on i was like i do do that yeah i do tell i do like telling stories and I do like making fuck, people laugh. Fuck, I'm a stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, fuck, I'm a stand-up comedian, but I'm in denial. And I will find a rehab program. Um, so that was something in the back of my mind, like at work and stuff. And then when I started doing stand-up, I am not kidding, in my office bought a $3 microphone from Dollarama. Yeah. And I had it in my desk. And whenever I had an idea for a joke, I'd go in my friend's office and close the door and hold the mic. And she was like, oh, this is a bit. She thinks this could be a bit. When I started doing comedy. That's hilarious. Like, I would go in her office with a mic. And it was like, Shut, like stop everything. You got to listen to her. And then I'd say it. And then she'd be like, I like it. That's amazing. And that's when I started doing really? the scribbles. Yeah. What an that's amazing story. That's when I started doing the scribbles. So that's when the notebook kind of started fluffing up or whatever. And that's when I realized... When I say I'm a writer first, it's that observer it's that observer thing, that obsession with the detail, seeing the humor in the detail. And it's like people wouldn't notice it. like people wouldn't reject this because it's like bullshit. But for me I'm like this is delicious. Like this is <laughs> what is going on here. I'll tell you, um, I've been inspired lately by watching young comics like you have that fire and that passion, but also because of my horrible life disposition. And, you know, there's that whole yin and yang, dark and light, the sun will come up as it goes down. So know that the darkness is there only so that you can enjoy the light. I fully believe in all that hippie jargon. One thing that happened, though, is my wife's father was in the hospital. And it's pretty serious. He had some sort of neurological disorder. They thought they had it narrowed down to a specific type. And the doctors realized they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they're like, it might not be that. And then they gave him the option of going to palliative care. And he's like, well, what's the alternative? And they're like, well, you'll have to be tube fed forever. And he's like, 
okay, I'll take that. Like, I'm not just going out to pasture. Like, basically give them the choice to die because it's 2019 and we have to be fair and give everyone a choice, right? Like, they shouldn't have given them that choice because all it did was upset the family. Anyway, we need an escape from all that because it's a very serious situation. So where is the Shangri-La of the hospital? The TV common area, right? Mm -hmm. This is the place we can all gather, watch a movie, and just forget about all the pain, right? Yeah. No, you can't. Because in walks a man on a breathing machine. So he's like Darth Vader. Vader. He's like... Right? And then there's an insane lady who has dementia down the hallway, and she's going, Wayne! Wayne! Like this. And so I'm hearing... Wayne! And some frustrated nurse is like, He's not coming! <laughs> so like... I'm trying to turn that into comedy, you know what I mean? It is. So funny. I'm inspired by things that are happening around me, and I'm a noticer, and I record those things. But to bring it to the stage, it's a different thing, isn't it? It's that you had to be there. You know, that's the bailout that everyone used to use. Well, it, Non-comedians it, used to say, well, he had to be there when they try and tell a story. But Well, I, I, think, I think this is the thing is sometimes it's a seed and sometimes it's a, it's a, it's already a bit. Yeah. So sometimes you just write these things down and six months from now you're going to have the perfect thing where it links together. Yeah. Um, and I am only now getting better at going like, okay, these two things were great if I mix it with this. Like it is, I had this joke that I was obsessed with that wasn't really landing where all I wanted to say was, and this is true, I just... <laughs> Like saying that I'm not like every other girl, and the joke is we all say it. The joke is like I'm not like every other girl. Like I was seeing this guy, and then he kind of, I guess, you know, he's not interested anymore, which which is fine. I'm over it. Like I don't, I don't think I talk about it. Like you know, he I guess he thought I would, I was obsessed with him. Be, and be he pining would think, over him. And he would think, and I was like, whatever, I don't even care. He was supposed to, whatever. He was supposed to be here anyway. On my birthday, he anyway. He said that he was on pressure. July fourth or your old birthday. <laughs> on your old birthday. I would have been on my old birthday uh, right before the events of this year. So he uh, broke up with you. No, 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 no. It's just for me. It was just a funny thing to keep going on things and keep saying I was over it and not shut up about it. To me, oh. that was a joke on stage. <laughs> okay. and be like, he thinks I obsess over him, okay? I and I'm like, I have a life. Like, it's Saturday night, and I'm out, and I'm on stage, and I'm doing all of this. And he, like, is that what he thinks? And I would just, like, focus in on someone and be like, does that make sense? Like, would that make sense? That's like, I'm, I'm an independent woman doing my own stuff. I'm on the road. I'm at a hotel. And he, like, he legitimately believes that I think, anyway, my hair just says I don't even talk about him that much. And I just <laughs> really liked doing that, but, like, not That's shutting up about it and saying bit. I'm over it. But it yeah. just, it just didn't have. I mean, his name is Timothy. His name is Timothy, and I've always loved that name. But just because he's Timothy doesn't mean he's in my head. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you could you could really riff on well, that. Well, this is the thing, but That's it wasn't beautiful. really picking up, and I was always disappointed. And I was like, just something about how I'm delivering it, how I'm bringing it up, or whatever. And did then, you lean into it enough? I wonder. Well, this is the, this is the thing. I think it would have gotten funnier if I was comfortable milking it more. If I went yeah. on stage and like this, I no, my seven minutes today. And you need it is seriously just doing it over it. And then I thought, okay, maybe I only do it if somebody leaves. Maybe I only do the bit if somebody leaves and goes to the bathroom. Yeah. And then when they come back, I thought, come on, I thought, no, it's okay. Like I thought, I thought it was somebody. Like I thought, like I thought it was him. Like I, it's fine. Like I thought. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, maybe that's how I do it. I only do it when somebody leaves and the comes back. The bit definitely has to be called I'm over it. It's called over it. Over it's it. It's written everywhere it. like I love that. It. And then I love and it. then lately I said I think I start by saying, Well, I recently had to stop seeing the guy I was seeing because he blocked me. And then I went into over it and then read better already. So it added I it added this thing that I was like really psycho y. It'd and be then great I could, and then I could if add. you had a pause moment. Do you have a pause moment? Because, because I've only done sometimes it once. that indicates that you're ending a bit. Mm-hmm. So then if you have a moment of silence, people may think, oh, she must be done talking about that. And then you go, I mean, I, I did like the relationship. But, I mean, I'm okay with it being over because look at me. I mean, I don't have, you know, I'm not going to have any problems getting another even even another timothy if i want you know like, yeah. so that i think that pause would add this I, and even like I, 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 i've explored like you're saying like i'm doing the dot and i'm circling around yeah but it's like <laughs> is it me kind of saying like this like, like as if he thinks like if he thinks he's done with me like he he doesn't even know yet like you know he'll 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 come around. But it, it's fun for me to try to figure out how do I attack this because I think it's can you, so Can much you turn fun. it into him being obsessed with you? You but know, like his, his, his new girlfriend has glasses and brown hair. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, why didn't but, you? But know, that's the whatever. funny thing for me is like it wasn't even a relationship. And that's why, like, some of those things. Another funny thing you could say. I mean, it's not like it was even a real relationship. relationship. <laughs> it wasn't even a real relationship. What, what was there? These two kids, and during like any type of break, summer break, Christmas break, like right now, no daycare. Fucking hate that shit. Stuck with my kids. And some people are like, you can't say stuff like you're stuck with your kids. Fuck, yes, I can. Okay? A lot of my friends, all of my friends actually, have dogs. And they try to convince me that they love their dogs as much as I love my kids. Any puppy parents in here? Oh shit, any parents in here? I mean, that's a lot of energy, I like that! And then I try to explain to my friends, it's not the love that's, you don't have to convince me, the love is the same, it's the hate that's different. And I'll tell you why and how we all know this as a society. Animal therapy exists. Right? Nobody at any office was ever like, we're stressed, we're really stressed at work. You know what we should do on Fridays? You know what we should do? Bring in some fucking kids! Nobody! Nobody ever said that. Nobody! Kids listen to you less and less. Dogs are get better and better. Recently trained. Fuck that noise. You don't have to convince me. I love your dog more than I love my fucking kids. My nine-year-old? All day. And if 
you don't feel as excited about telling that one, then maybe throw in something else. And it doesn't mean it's a completely new set. It just means you've got to come with your energy and your game face on and you're selling these jokes. Like yesterday, like I, I surprised myself because there was that lady at the bar that works at the bar that said she was an identical twin and explicitly told her, like, when I ask if they're identical twins, you holler. So when I asked that on stage, I was 100% certain I had a thing planned. Yeah, you and, thought she would holler. And I, and I got dead air, and it's like, that's right, I'm special. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, let's that move on. That wasn't planned. That wasn't planned. That just, seemed like, because you sold it as if that was your through line. Yeah. You, you sold that as yeah. if, uh, you know, it was Jim Gaffigan talking about food. Or, <laughs> I thought that was your hook. That's yeah. right. I'm a special. And yeah. I was like, oh, she said that before. No, you no. haven't said it before. And that's the illusion. That's the illusion, right? Like that's... Yeah, but that's the verbal workshopping piece. It's like I, I am now at the point where I'm having, I'm more present. I'm more in the room. I'm able to handle that and not make it look like. Okay, there was a thing there I was supposed to do. Yeah, like, because, like, check out Damon, like, you know, when he had his opening line, it was about how cold it was in there. And it's something that I wasn't even thinking about. I had my jacket on. I was chilly. Yeah. But, and when he said that, it just connected with everyone in the room. You get that opening line where you're in the room like that. But it doesn't have to be an opening line. And as you say, if you... If you adapt to those moments, it's really, it can be like another punchline. It can be something that you can recreate and it can be very positive. And sometimes, yeah, it can feed into another bit at another time. Like, again, if there's a one tag or one line or a certain way you delivered something. Once uh, the Abbey in Fredericton. I've heard so of it. I've never So been. many flies one time. And when I went up there, I was like, listen. I'm really broke right now, so if any one of you could take out your phones right now and do like this like world visioning type video with with as many flies towards my face as possible, I'd really appreciate it. I can use that later for my GoFundMe campaign. <laughs> you really, you really use it. It's like, like a, a Snapchat filter with flies. Yeah, but it was just bothering all of us, like the flies. Like, I was like, what? Okay, so you made yourself a part of the room by being present by commenting on something everyone was, and I was experiencing. Gonna talk, I was going to talk about an experience right. at the bank. So I'm just like, I'm really broke right now. So if you guys could do this world vision shit, I'd really appreciate it. Like, I, I, you know, try to get, you know, just keep filming till you get the flies around my face. I really yeah. need that. We'll talk yeah. offline. <laughs> but then I was like, how I went to the bank. I love this joke. Went to the bank. It literally happened. And I'm struggling with money for various reasons. And they tried to offer me budgeting tools. And I was like, no, that's really nice. I, 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 I could use some, but I, I need the money as a starting point. So... <laughs> How about we get that money going? How about we get the money going? Yeah. And then I, I kind of want to joke about making it a, joke, a, a casual stick-up. Be like, this is a stick-up. Like, how much do you think I this need? This is a non-aggressive stick-up. Stick up. <laughs> how much money do you think I need? And maybe put that in my account with as much as you feel I should have in my RSPs by this age. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, my daughter's RESPs? I was like, I don't know. You make some, all of it. This is all, haha, <laughs> this is working. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, where can people find uh, your, so, you know, I don't want to say your social media, but like, where can people find out when your next shows are? Do you have a comedian fan page or anywhere people can reach you? I have, you? I have a Linwood's uh, Facebook page now. Um, you post about your uh, shows that are coming I up. I post about my shows that okay. are coming up. The French and it's Lynn L I N E. Yep, so special. Lynn Woods. Yeah. L I N E. 
spell it like three times a day. That was one or two. And then, it's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, I, one of my, I, this is like an offline joke that I say that I like when I say in math, when they try to ask you the value of why, it's a lot. Because <laughs> if I had that in my name, it would save a lot of time. Um, I have the Facebook page. I'm trying to post more there than my personal, but I, I don't think I'll ever stop posting on the personal. You gotta get, you gotta get it on the annoying. Twitter and the Insta, man. I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. But you don't post about your shows. I do, but yeah. again, I keep I keep those very private. Yes. Um, Twitter, I don't like. It's too reachable. Like people can just follow you without any approval. I don't like. Again, it's the scared thing. Mm. Like even when I'm tagged sometimes by fellow comedians, I'm like, I don't tell people where I am. That's why I have a Shane Ogden comedian page on Facebook versus a Shane Ogden, right? Yes, but again, it's Twitter is too open. Yeah. I have no information on these people. I don't like the randos knowing where I am. Yeah. I don't like being tagged on events there. On, on, on Facebook, I find like it's a lot more controlled because um, it's not blind faces. You can see if we have mutual friends. Mutual friends for me, when it comes to like even if I've had harassers looking if we have mutual friends, it gives me at least a point of reference of like being able to call someone and be like, is this person mentally sound? So Lynn Woods on Facebook, you could see her shows coming up if you have a mutual friend. No, the Facebook, <laughs> the Facebook page, people can just like and follow and that's yeah. fine. Um, I do find a lot of people actually try my personal account to try to add me on, but I don't necessarily add accept. Them. Yeah. And again, like it's it's not that I want to be scared. It's not like I'm trying to capitalize on that. It's just it's a, it's a weird thing. I, don't, I just don't... It's like I don't understand... And for a hot minute, I didn't want to. Like, I was just like, I'm just going to give myself this, like, safe environment. And I'll figure you're gonna, stuff out you, later. You know, when, when people get to see your comedy and as you grow, you're going to get all these fans. You're going to have to send them somewhere. Where would you like to send them? You got to go to a website or something. Something I'm that doesn't get, have I got my info. domain name. Oh, you I do? Got, I, I don't reserve my domain name. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on building a website. I have a decent concept. That I'm working nice. on. Good. It's gonna need some budget to pull it off, but I'm looking forward to it because I'm getting my own TV show. Um, <laughs> you you've waited till the end of the interview to talk about your TV show. What's going on? Tell me about it. I can't really talk about it, which is why I'm not. <laughs> but, so everything you do has a purpose. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I haven't signed anything yet, so I, nice. keep, I keep thinking I'm gonna get hit by a bus and that it's not gonna happen. Um, so it looks like I always say it seems like it's looking like it's looking very positive. That's great. Like, uh, That's but exciting. But it's French, and this is another reason why I'm giving myself this like really big push in the comedy, in the comedy stuff, trying to see if I could actually come up with new material, deliver, perform. Like I was testing myself because I'm off work from burnout, so it was like one of those interesting ways that I could actually test and flex and see if this was something I could actually feel I could deliver on. Yeah. Because for me to actually say yes, I can do this. I need, I, I need to know that I can deliver. Yeah. So this was part of that private test, this free, I call it the individual sport comedy. It's like, it doesn't cost me anything to go and perform. It's not like a film. I don't need to crew up and cast people and right. blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it was very easy for me to be able to do that. And it worked out quite well. I'm really happy with where I'm at. And again, I'm a, I'm a baby comedian. Like, I'm just starting. Yes. And I, and I feel like it's very clear that practice and investment pays off and I'm just going to keep practicing and investing and seeing where it takes me. And again, I have no 
commitments or missions or objectives necessarily. I find like every show is my objective and every show is my mission and I just try to make that as much fun as I can for everybody in the room and whatever happens after that happens after that. Well, it's very inspiring to hear part of your story and I hope you come back when you're allowed to say what the TV show is. I hope you'll be on the show again and thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for having me and listening to me. I needed adult conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Thanks again. My pleasure.